Welcome to the Leadership Roundtable, a podcast with Dr. Conway Edwards, where we get together monthly to talk leadership, because we believe when we get better as leaders, everything gets better. And before you jump in, I want to encourage you to go to our website, visit1cc.com slash leadership roundtable. You can view past episodes, also download show notes from the past. And last time we got together, we talked about uh, looking into the past so that we could plan for the future. And one of the things we went through was our quarterly evaluation tool where we regularly look at what's, what's right, what's wrong, what's confusing, and what's missing. And looking at these four quadrants to help evaluate how mm-hmm. we're doing. And one of the things we have to all do before we can even begin to start looking at managing the future and preparing for the future is to be able to evaluate where we're at. And something else we have to do that's something called the five levels of churches. So I wanted to see if you could start us off by walking through the five levels so that we can help understand where we even are before we plan where we want to go. Yeah, well, Ed Stetzer really helps us out in this, and I would encourage you to uh, go to newchurches.com to figure out uh, how you can get more information on this. But they talk about the five levels of subtracting, plateauing, adding, reproducing, and then multiplying. And it's just a great tool for you to ask yourself, where are Mm -hmm. we on this chart, and how do we need to go to the next level? They talk about churches that are in decline, churches that have plateaued, churches that are growing, that is, in attendance, then churches that are reproducing, producing other churches and then churches that are multiplying other churches and now it's a movement of multiplying churches so it's a really really cool tool uh, that you can use to evaluate where your church is and what might be the next step in a couple years or in five years where you might want to go so we think that's good for us to evaluate but what i'm really excited now Mm -hmm. man is to kind of kind of see how we can look to the future and how we can scenario plan what god might want us to do in the future how we can learn the trends of what some of the experts think might be happening in our culture and then how we can move from there and now begin the process of what might it look like in the next two years, Mm -hmm. in the next four years, in the next six years, and how do we plan that and have an agile strategy to try and accomplish that for the glory of God. That's right, because we've all heard the story of don't be the next blockbuster. That's correct. And we don't want to be sitting back wondering what happened instead of causing uh, the future to happen. Uh, And there's story after story of people who missed what was coming in the future. Mm -hmm. A lot of times because uh, maybe overconfidence, maybe they just had their head down in what they were doing, or maybe they were protecting sacred cows and didn't want to look into the future. So I wanted to ask you, what are some principles we can do uh, to look into the future and not get stuck in the past or where we're at right now? Yeah, so one of the things I think is extraordinarily helpful is just to understand and exegete your culture. To ask and answer the question, what's what's moving in our culture? What are the different demographics looking for? How have they changed from one generation to the next? And how do we need to try and be ahead of the curve instead of being impacted by the curve? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we try to do as a church is we try to we try to scour the 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 context of where we are in the DFW area and then look uh, nationally and then globally to see what are some of the things that are coming down the pike that we can address. Mm -hmm. And we've got some helpful tools that we can use. Some of the things that are coming down the pike, you've known some of these, Pastor Matt, is, is, is just the whole idea of it's no longer about church attendance. It's now about church engagement. So how can we engage 
the body of Christ and not just care about them coming once or twice a month, but how can we engage them so that they want to be a part of the experience every single, every, every single week? How can we make sure we're looking at team as opposed to the solar, solar leadership? Because there's a rise of of distrust of authority. So how can we leverage that and have a plurality of leadership, which we believe the Bible teaches and that we should have uh, a plurality of leadership. And how do we, how do we leverage that for the benefit of the local church? Uh, a couple others are, how do we move from just uh, the idea of, 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 of teaching to literally declaring God's word? How do we, how do we, create environments in our student ministry and in our kids ministry and in our adult ministry to make sure that we're actually doing more than just a lecture in a classroom, mm -hmm. but we're driving home the point. And, and, and many African-American churches do that already. So this is not the one they have to really struggle because they're more declarative in their presentations that, than they are teaching in their presentations. What are your thoughts? Well, I think you start off huge with engage. It's no longer just a show to come watch. Mm -hmm. It's something that we've all got to be a part of. We've got to be a part of a movement that's going somewhere and not just, um, like I said, a show. But then also, how, how do we get involved? How do we get people involved? Because when they're involved, they're growing closer to Jesus. Um, they're fulfilling their purpose. And also, they're sticking in church, and they're not going to be easily... Um, swayed by what may come along. So the different ways I know we do that at our church is being laser focused on small group involvement. Mm -hmm. uh, we also are huge on everybody being involved. I mean, one of the biggest tragedies is in many churches, people come watch a few people use their gifts instead of everyone coming to use their gift. All right. And, and in addition to that, I think it's a, it's a biblical mandate. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, it was the priest doing everything. Right. And now, since Jesus Christ, we, we now have, we're all priests. And so now you have the priesthood of the believer right. and engaging every single volunteer, every single regular attender in the body and encouraging them to use their gifts. One of the mm -hmm. real sad things about the church is that we don't believe, pastors that is, that it's our job to get every regular attendee fully engaged in the ministry. And when they don't do that, we get to enjoy using our gifts, but they mm -hmm. don't get to enjoy it. And I, it is my prayer every single week that God will allow every person that walks through the doors of all of our campuses to truly experience what we get to experience mm -hmm. every day. And that is God, the Holy Spirit, using us to impact the lives of other people. And I don't think we talk about that enough, and I don't think we're passionate about it. Yet still, it's a clear biblical mandate that all of us get to use the gifts and abilities that God gives us. And we can't get to or full redemptive potential unless every person uses the right. gift God's given them to advance the mission ball forward so we can impact this world for the glory of God. Yeah. And just think about it. If if a if a few people are using their gifts and others are coming to watch, as soon as the trend in church changes, the people who are not engaged are then going to change to whatever the new trend is. Correct. When we're all a part of a family, a movement, we're all engaged. When the trend change and the church needs to change, we all change together. Correct. Or better yet, when all when the NFL comes and says, hey, man, we're going to put a game at, at not only 12 o'clock, we're going to put one at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Then people are going to say, all right, well, I love the NFL more than I love church, so let's mm -hmm. go do that, unless they feel that they're a part of the body. Or when all these sports teams own Sunday now, now parents have to make a choice as to whether or not, do I do I want to take my kids over here or do I want to take them to church? And that becomes something that we have to think through now because it's just a matter of time before that happens. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that 
it's like the superpower of great leaders is being able to see around the corner. Absolutely. Being able to see what's coming, to look into the future, and to be able to predict and identify where we need to be going instead of being stuck at where we're at. What are some ways or some things we can look for to plan for the future? One of the things that I, I think some leaders uh, do incorrectly, perhaps, is th- they try to look into you know, into the future 10 years by here and 10 mm-hmm. years want to do that. And I think our ch- our culture just changes too fast now to, to, to look and have solid set in stone plans for 10 years. So one of the things I perhaps want to suggest is that we could, instead of looking at it, well, how are we going to get there in 10 years? Look at it almost as if it's horizons. So it's like you're looking at a mountain range, and here's the lower mountain, here's the, the first tier, then the second tier mountain, then the highest peak. And if you look at it from that perspective, it's almost like three horizons that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And so what we try to do <clears throat> is we try to get to a 2021 horizon, then a 2023 horizon, then a 2025 horizon, and then put leaders over each of those three horizons. And what is it that we're trying to achieve by each of those horizons? And then and how do we challenge them to carry that ball until we achieve each one of these rights? And obviously, mm-hmm. they build on each other, but we also have the flexibility to change strategy if something else comes up in our culture or if we get passionate or God lays in our heart something else that's unique. So, so you know, one of the things you can, you can perhaps think about is how do we become a multiplying movement of making churches? And maybe you put that out there five years and say, that's what we want to do. So we want to have a, a pipeline of leaders coming through through and we want to have maybe a residency coming through so that we can say every year we're going to plant a church through one of the guys that are coming through a residency. Well, that takes time Mm -hmm. to build that out. So how do we begin the process now by attracting the right guys and then resourcing those guys to then go plant churches all over America and in the places that need it the most? So that's just one way you can think about it. For us, one of our unique things is we're trying to get to 90% of our church in in small groups, great small group communities by 2021. We don't have that now, and we're trying to get to 9%. That's a massive goal, right. but it's a, it's a, it's a one-year, year-and-a-half goal that we're trying to pursue because we know that life change is so critical to the heart of our church that if we don't get them in small groups, then we won't achieve Christ-likeness at the level that we want to. So that's the way in which we're saying in two years, this is what we want to accomplish. Uh-huh. Now, t- uh, talk about this. So if if we have a goal that's five years out, uh-huh. it's one thing to see that goal at the end of the line and to say, that's what I want. That's where we're headed. That's the vision. That's the impression I have for God. What role does systems and becoming the right kind of church, the right kind of people play into getting to that goal five years from now? Correct. As opposed to getting there five years and wondering why I didn't get there. Correct. No, that's a good point, which means you have to have annual markers and targets that you're trying to reach. So that means the first year I've got to have a goal, second year, third year, fourth year, until we get there. But then it also means if, at least in our case, if we're trying to produce these multiplying movements of making churches, which means now we have to be a church that are that's producing uh, and sending out guys to go plant churches, and then those churches have to replicate the same thing. Well, mm-hmm. if that's the system, then you, you have to be a church that's sending out church planters, perhaps in the second year, mm-hmm. so that you can then give those guys three years to have the 
momentum enough to be a church that's then planting other churches. So you just have to have targets along the way to get there. So maybe the first year you do a residency program where you're getting guys in, you're paying them to come work with you, understand your system, understand the year. And then second year, those guys are now beginning to get their launch team, to get their funding ready, to then go to the location. Third year, they're planting, they're launching, they're, they're up and ready to go. Fourth year, they're still blowing and going. And then the fifth year, those guys now, while you're doing the same thing, are now beginning the process of replicating themselves and sending somebody out after somebody has been with them for a year. So that's kind of how I would do it if it was, if I was leading that kind of a movement. It's kind of like a domino effect. That's exactly right. <laughs> Each domino impacts the next one. And um, if we want to get to that end goal, we've got to have our dominoes lined up and be hitting them. So it's, it's find something new you're aiming for, then find a leader for each one of those and have the systems that support where you're headed into the future. That's correct. And then now you have to ask some even more fundamental questions. Once you get your horizons down, once you get, here's where I think the Lord is leading us. You spend some time in prayer. You're bathing that over, asking the Lord for his, his direction for the church, for this body of believers. Then you have to ask some key questions. You have to ask a financial question. You have to ask a human capital question. Then you have to ask a strategic question. The, the financial capital question is, given where we're going, where should capital be allocated? Everybody's got to ask that question. Where are we going in the next five years? Mm -hmm. Where, how, how are we going to spend the resources that we have? Do we need to cut back on some things to get more resources? If this goal, this vision is that important, how do we allocate that over the next five years? The second question that I think is even equally as critical is, what are the roles that will matter most in the next five years? What are the key roles, the key staff people that you're going to need if these are your priorities, how do we line these up now and begin the hiring process now or begin shifting some people in our organization to these positions so that by the time we get there, they're already experts in the area. They've been studying the area for the last two years, and we can now begin to move them in effortlessly. And then the third one is strategic thinking. How are we going to, or should we use, if we have marketing dollars, if we have the luxury of having that, how can we use the resources that we'd spend on marketing and people talent to position ourselves for the future? How, how, do, you, how do you get your people talent? How do you train them to position them for this church planting movement, if that's what you want to do, for this church planting movement that you want to do? Because now everybody's got to be thinking on the same page, and everybody has to have the resources they need to be able to pull that off. But sometimes we don't think far enough down the road with our strategic thinking, our human capital, and our financial capital, which is why we get there and then we're lost. Okay, how, do, how are we going to get the money from for this? Because we didn't plan it simultaneously with the dreams that we have that we're asking mm. God to accomplish. So you, I have to take a Dallas Cowboys break for a second. All right. When you said human capital and the roles that we're going to need in the future, I'm still processing. Um, the new coach that we've hired for the Cowboys, oh, Mike MacArthur. Lord. Okay, all right. And what he's done is he he hired a he's hired in all new coaches, uh -huh. and he he brought in about a nine person team that they've never had before just to focus on football analytics That's and incredible. all of the details. And he sees a role whether it's going to play out or not. We're praying it does. Right. But he's seeing something that others aren't necessarily doing. 
and he's trying to plan for a role that they don't currently have and building a whole team around, around the wave of the future analytics. Ab- absolutely. And I think he's brilliant for doing that. We'll see if it, it uh, oh, translates please, to the field. Please. I mean, over the last, you know, we haven't had a title in a minute, but we're not complaining. We're not whining. Uh, we'll we'll spend our time on our knees for the That's Cowboys, all right? That's right. <laughs> so the question is, what roles in our church do we not – what roles are not here that are going to be there in the future? I think we're so yeah, tied into here's what the, the org chart of a church looks like. Mm-hmm. You got your pastor, your education, your outreach, your whatever, yeah. and begin to think as a leader listening, what roles are going to be there that aren't there now? So be, because of how important engagement is becoming, because of how important the new digital world is, and because of how important the blending of the digital and the physical is, and if if what the scenario we brought up, we want to continue on this whole, we want to become a church that plans other churches, mm-hmm. then you have to be thinking, do we need to be hiring somebody now that's going to own our digital space? Mm-hmm. Uh, we do, but we have to continue to think, how do we continue to fund that? Because that's a whole mm-hmm. new world. Because of the importance of this on-demand economy, because of the importance of accessibility of content, we have to now invest not just in people coming to church on Sunday, but we have to invest in the other one, six to seven. Mm-hmm. How do we mm-hmm. resource our people when they need it with the videos, with the experiences that they want to parent their kids, to strengthen their marriage, to help them in their singleness? How, how, do, we, how do we currently have content readily available in multiple areas so that people can get it done? I mm-hmm. think if you're not on that path right now, um, uh, you're really behind the eighth ball. And number two, I think if you're trying to plant churches and become a church planting movement, then you've got to have somebody who is exclusively focused on finding the right guys, screening the wrong guys out, mm-hmm. or girls out, and then determining how do we then set them up for success and give them the systems that we have to pull it off. I think that kind of a foresight is critical to the success of uh, where I think God's leading our church and churches that are trying to, that are trying to move forward will be in the future. And one of the things a leader can do is look at where, where are we currently investing mm-hmm. our money, where are we currently investing our people, and look at where the dollars are being spent, and that will show you what's important to you right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that might hurt, but if you're investing into, you said the other 167, yep. again, that, that's an investment not into Sunday morning, but necessarily into everything outside of Sunday morning and making sure our people know that we're investing in them with everything we do. Well, you know, well, you, we, we teed up a term that may, perhaps some people don't know, so why don't you take the time to, to explain, Pastor Matt, the, the whole 167. Uh, just kind of talk to us a little to bit. To the 167, that. there's 168 hours in a week, and for so long as churches, we focused on the one hour on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Depending on what kind of church, could be the two or three hours on Sunday correct, morning. Uh-huh. Correct, 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 correct. <laughs> of which we vacillate between them all. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. So focusing on the 167 means what we want to do is equip people beyond when they're at church on Sunday morning. We don't want to just be all about Sunday, give them a great experience, send them home to their week. We want to be how can we invest in them so that they feel like what they received here empowers them to make a difference. We call it missional living at our church so that they can be on mission with their family, at work, at home, in their neighborhood, everywhere they're at, they can feel empowered to make a difference. So that's what we talk about on 167 and how much are we investing in the 167 of everyone else Mm -hmm. and not just our one or two hours here. Mm 
the, the reality is there is a war for time that parents have less time with their kids. And so the question is, how do we help those parents by providing resources in that 167 so that they don't have to spend another 20 minutes coming to church to hear something, but they can have access to it uh, and they can use that Mm -hmm. in their time with their kids. It's the reason why right now media has has helped the Church of Jesus Christ so much by helping and bringing great content into the home and they can pull it off. It's the reason why this on-demand economy, people want stuff when they want it, where they where they want it and they all want it on their phones and it's the reason why this accessibility of content hey a friend of mine just asked me a question i don't know the answer do we have anything on the hebrew israelites do we have anything on the end times do we have anything and they don't want it in a sermon on sunday mm-hmm. they want it when one of their co-workers asked them the question and they have a place where they can go to answer some of these challenging right. questions and we have to be able to equip them or tell them and show them where they can go to get some of these answers because that's when it matters most for them. It's not when we want to communicate it, it's when they need it because of a challenge they currently face. Wow. So we've got to be thinking investment. How can we get things accessible? Um, How can it be uh, in bite-sized Cliff Notes version? Mm -hmm. Because that's what everything is right now. Nobody nobody wants a 30-minute talk they need to listen to on their phone. Absolutely not. The, the other thing I think is paramount for future thinking is if you're going to get people engaged, you have to ask, how is our engagement pathways? How easy it is for somebody to come mm-hmm. and jump in and get on board with where our church is going? How do we make it easy for them to take their next step? How do we make it effortless? Can they do it on mm-hmm. their phones? Can they do it when they come to church? Can they? Is there a place for them to do it there? How do we make it so easy that whenever God is moving in their hearts, we have we have already prepared for them that if they just go on the website there's always a place immediately so that they can take their next step and when they do how do we make it the most important thing deal with it as if it's something critical and urgent so that we treat their small spiritual steps as massive for us because we get to partner and see what God is doing in the life of one of our, of one of our members and we've got to get out of the whole church mentality and remind ourselves that it's about the one not just about everyone and take out the guesswork i, I think of mm-hmm. social media right now what they try to do is predict what our next steps are going to be yeah if i look at a new car online one time now anytime i go on social media I'm going to see ads for a new car. Absolutely. And they're predicting, they're watching, they know what trends I'm following, and then they put in front of me what next steps I need to take. That's correct. And think if, if the church did that. Oh, if man. If we knew what next steps oh, people were anticipating. That's a game changer. And we had it ready for everyone, it would. It would, it would change the game for many, many people. Uh, I think really so often we, we stick with great ideas. We have ideas that are good right now, or they've been good for so long, and they go past their expiration date because we're so comfortable with how these ideas have been working and it prevents us from seeing into the future. Yeah. And I know you're really passionate about just future gazing, managing the future. Why is that so passionate to you? Why why does this need to be something that lights somebody's fire? Well, because I think when I was when I was about 16 years old, uh, my youth pastor took me aside who was bivocational, took me aside 
and he asked me and he said I, I see I see God working in you man I see something in you I see you doing something over there that's not redemptive and I think you can use the gifts and abilities that he's given you for his glory and he and he discipled me for a whole year and then he allowed me at, at 17 18 years old to lead our whole student ministry in Jamaica and it altered the course of my life. And mm -hmm. I am so excited when I see our next generation, that's why we're now planning to build a, a new facility just for the next generation, because I believe that if we if we pour into them, they're the ones that has the next big mm -hmm. idea that God is going to use for his glory and for his honor. And I believe we ought to invest everything we can, give them room, give them opportunities to use their gifts and abilities to, to glorify him. And I think... If we don't give them a runway in our in our weekend services sometimes, even as a larger church, if we don't make sure that they have the opportunity mm -hmm. to use those gifts, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be crisp. It's not going to be all of that. But at least they'll be getting reps to become better at what God's calling them to do. And I think that's a huge component of future gazing. It is giving them the opportunity and not forcing them to be like us but using mm. the the experiences they've had the songs they like the the tunes they like uh, as long as it's glorifying god and the words are edifying let them do it so that they're reaching their generation because it is that generation that's going to bring something and introduce something that at first it's going to scare us right but god's going to use it in a major way so it's really it's leaders listening it's not a couple of middle-aged... Are we middle-aged guys? I know, dude. We're getting old, man. Oh, we're getting old. Hell it's not old. a couple of middle-aged guys trying to figure out a strategy to reach the next generation. That's right. It's us building a bridge and relationships with the next generation. Yep. Because that's where the thoughts are going to come from. That's, that's right. where the... They know the next generation better than we will ever know the next generation. Correct. And they know what we're doing now that's not working. Yes. And so that's why you don't want them to do what you do. You want to give them the free runway because there's an, uh, I know y'all do that, but that that's not my generation. That don't mm -hmm. make sense. And we can learn from them, so we need to have them at the table. But then number two, we ought to give them a freeway to try some stuff. Some of right. it might work, some of it might not. But that's the beauty of watching this next generation and giving them a runway to begin to try things for the glory of God. So if you're a leader listening and you're stuck in how you've always done things, Play the movie forward, you're going to become a one-generation church. Mm. If you're not planning for the future, if you're not preparing, you're going to become a one-generation, and you're not going to reach the next generation. It's just not going to happen. And um, that is scary. And we've got too many one-generation churches, and we've got to open our minds, open our eyes to what God is doing in the future and yeah. be ready for it and yeah. be agile. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the one thing we haven't talked about a whole lot yet is the idea of diversity and how diversity will play a role in the future because this next generation is going to demand that there are no more churches, there are no more black churches, only white churches only, and all that. And, and while I do think there's a place for, the, for the, the history that we all come from, I believe that the body of Christ will be, obviously, when we get to heaven, it'll be somebody from every race, every tribe, every nation. But, and so we ought to be in pursuit of 
trying to experience what it feels like to be selfless in worship and allow somebody else to enjoy a song. So if every single song you like in your church and there is not a song that you don't like, I mean, everybody's like you. But if there's a song that ah, I'm not feeling that song, then maybe oftentimes there's somebody else who is loving it, which means it's stretching you and that's a good place to be mm-hmm. in the body of Christ so that we can all learn to appreciate the differences that are out there that we can say, I don't like that one, but you like it, so let me see if I can grow to like it. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you're stretching yourself and growing yourself. And that's a biblical model. Absolutely. And it's it's showing humility and mm-hmm. looking into the future. We can't ever be confident. We have to be humble and uh, build bridges and connect with others. Are there any other, Pastor Conway, are there any other resources, people you listen to about the future, anything you'd want to turn our listeners on to? Books you're reading? Yeah, um, they're, they're just, they're, they're, the McKinsey podcast is, it, it's a business podcast. So if you don't get mad at me, it's a business podcast. They deal with issues in the future, but I just think it's so helpful just to hear how these business professionals are thinking. And then you come and bring it back and you execute it according to the word of God. And then if there's something you can apply, you apply. But I think, I think they do a very good job. The HBR has a podcast that I listen to as well. And I think they're doing some great work out there uh, in dealing with, the diversity issue and um, multiple of other issues. Uh, but I just think listening outside your industry sometimes right. is extraordinarily helpful. Uh, and so I try to do that with a number of them. Malcolm Gladwell has a great podcast uh, where he deconstructs some stuff, and I think that would be helpful. Uh, I, just think, I just think the broader you listen and the broader you learn and the more you challenge yourself, the healthier you'll ultimately be. And I think those those three might be helpful for That's you. That's good. Any closing thoughts you have for looking into the future, planning for the future? Yeah, I I, uh, I get concerned when 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 the 50 and the 60-year-old guys are, are running everything and it's only their thoughts that matter. Mm-hmm. I get very concerned for the future of the church when that happens. And I would just like to encourage you, man, to get some younger guys around you that mm-hmm. are um, that are passionate about God, that are going to make their mistakes. But just get them around you and just and just say, hey, man, how does your generation see this? I'd even ask you to have them hear a couple of your sermons and say, hey, tell me how does how how does this how is this effective or not effective? And they'll they'll help you. They'll teach you. They'll you can learn from them. And and then sometimes if they've been faithful long enough and if you've been discipling them long enough, it's great to hear them if they have the gift to give them a run and see how they would do it in smaller environments and uh, and see what we can learn from them. I think I think learning from the next generation is extraordinarily helpful. And sometimes we think as as 50 and 60 year olds that we've got it all figured out. And I think uh, that's just unwise. (laughs) Mm hmm. Well, um, it's been great. We're going to have all of this on our show notes for you mm-hmm. to go check out. You'll be able to pull some of these points we've talked about, some of these resources, Leadership Roundtable. It's visit1cc.com slash leadershiproundtable. Um, please go download, listen to this. And our biggest ask for you is if this has been helpful to you, that you would help someone else and share this with them. Please go on there, give us a rating or a review and share however you can and help us get the word out about what God's doing through this podcast and through you and your leadership. Again, thank you so much. By the way, one more thing before you go. I will, oh yeah, one more thing. Uh, We just did a conference called Climb 2020. It was so good. You can download the digital version at or uh, visit1cc.com forward slash leadership roundtable. I promise you every single session 
was incredible. It was the best lineup of communicators. Amazing. They did a fantastic job. You want to learn from those four or five guys that did it. Uh, you just, I promise you, it would be worth your while. Go download it, purchase it, and see it's if all, it's helpful. It's all right there available. So go check it out on our website. We'll see you back next month. God bless.